Hello, and welcome to the Hyper Voice. This is a show... Oh, man. Actually, wow. This is really tough. <laughs> I probably should have thought about this a little bit before. How does Steven normally do it? Oh, my God. He says the show, then the number. I got really thrown off. <laughs> I'm not going to restart or anything. We're just going to... We'll see what Steven edits in. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Hyper Voice, episode 98. This is a show about VGC, Pokemon's video game championship series. Uh, I am here joined by Justin Burns. Hey. Adi, or Aditya Sumeranian. Hey, guys. And Rajan Ball. Hey. And, uh, yeah, the, we're going to be talking about uh, all the latest happenings in uh, VGC, like the uh, Players' Cup, um, as well as, you know, all of our personal run here. Uh, we, uh, we, uh, you might notice that we don't have Steven on today. Uh, Steven, unfortunately, could not make it onto this one, and so I decided to just bring in a load of other people to talk with uh, to help fill the space, uh, since Steven is normally the one who dominates the conversation on this show, as I'm sure that you are all aware. Uh, so, uh, really quick, though, off the bat here, I just wanted to uh, knock it. Before we get to all the stuff about Players' Cup, about the team that all of us ran, uh, all four of us, uh, that we built together. Um, <laughs> most of I us built to... together. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so we're going to talk. Uh, I just wanted to uh, give a quick, uh, quick run through on uh, basically Conan. Um, we had received one comment on our, uh, our you know, last week's episode. Basically just saying, hey, can you elaborate a little on the Conan thing? This was from Kyle Spencer at Kyle on a Mission. Um, and uh, I just wanted to kind of keep this brief just to uh, mention that uh, Conan had posted uh, under... Uh, there was a Twitter uh, by the name of, I think, Bowtie VGC um, or Bowtie VGC 2 or something um, that had posted a lot of... Uh, hateful tweets and attacks on other players in the community and for a long time they were anonymous and then uh conan had uh, accidentally uh outed himself as the uh main user in that account and then he goes he detailed his whole story and uh you know the whole community wanted to um get him you know kicked out of players cup for all the terrible things that he had said he had let he had put out an apology tweet and then uh has since deleted it and uh yeah basically i would recommend um Looking into that a bit on your own, if you are curious, I know that uh, he, like I had just mentioned, he had deleted the apology tweet, so it's going to be a bit difficult to track down all the things. But uh, yeah, just ask around. Um, like that, he, yeah, he really should not be in the uh, the players' cup at this point, but he still is, and uh, that's just something that we're going to have to, uh, I guess, accept for now. And you know, submit your player, submit your support tickets if you want something to be done about it. Uh, but moving forward. We're going to go ahead and talk about who did uh, end up moving on. Uh, I kind of spoiled it there, but uh, who ended up moving on in the Players' Cup to that uh, to that August stage? We had week three just over the last weekend. Um, it was, uh, you know, we had the top 16 players in each respective region moving on, and uh, it was whittled down to four per region, of course, three for Oceania because of their uh, smaller player base now, and uh, so to leave space for the uh, winner of the kickoff invitational yuri um so uh yeah let's go ahead and uh, i'll just like run through the players that uh did make it through and then uh we'll go ahead and talk a bit about our experience in players cup and uh thoughts on uh what like what the tournament is looking like uh with the inv invited players for the august stage 
So from North America, we had Joseph Ugarte, Conan Thompson, Santino Tarquino, uh, Jasok Lee. Uh, and so those are the four players from North America. Uh, again, apologies for pronunciation. Uh, from Latin America, we had Gabriel Agati, Giovanni Polanco, Julian Eduardo Martinez, and Chow Romanini. I'm, I'm guessing that's Chow, but it could be something else. Um, and then from Europe, we had uh, Nico Davide Cognetta, Eduardo Juanpero Ferraris, <laughs> David Kutesh, uh, and Antonio Sanchez, maybe? Uh, the, the, the player known as Roxon online. Um, I, that might be the correct name. I don't know. I, I made... Uh, I used all of the uh, friends here on the call to help me find the names of the players, their real names. Uh, so apologies if we got anything wrong. From Oceania, we had Chris Khan, Ben Madigan, and Alistair Sandover. So those are the, uh, I guess, 15 players moving on. And then, of course, the winner of the kickoff invitational in Yuri will make a even 16. And we'll be seeing all of these players play uh, in a little bit in August. Yeah, I'm excited to watch. Um, it was pretty interesting um last saturday where we started with you know the europe players and then the uh the latin american players and the north american players and we also had you know adi playing um still repping the team and so that was all exciting and then at the end we had australia and the uh the the day was long for long for all the you know judges who put in <laughs> the hard work to host this tournament and yeah. You know, ended with that exciting uh, Oceania loser semifinals that I've been, you know, talking. Talk, I think I talked about it last time you I was on, on here. I was so excited for it. And um, Al- Alistair is a uh, one of my friends, and I'm happy that he made it through um, that uh, loser semifinal match. He was the winners of the winner of that match. Do you know who he yeah. uh, ended up playing in that match? Uh, I don't. N- I'm not sure who he played against. Okay. Okay. I was just curious. Uh, there's a lot of names in here that I do recognize, which I think is really awesome to see. Like, uh, um, so like I don't know Europe. I know pretty much all of these players, uh, especially by their usernames. Uh, for those that uh, might be a bit more familiar, there's uh, Desu, uh, Duck Pond, uh, Hamster Mania, and Roxon. Uh, these are all names that, if you are uh, well integrated into the VGC community, that you would definitely recognize as strong players who have uh, made a name for themselves. And then that's going to be really exciting to see. On top of uh, Yuri being the uh, fifth representative from Europe, uh, Europe. Yeah, I mean, I'm also excited to see the games. I think more less from a player's perspective. I'm more excited to see what they bring, and it's exciting to see, like, because Series Five hasn't had that much of a chance to develop with the way uh, the way events were canceled as a result of COVID nineteen. We haven't had that many big events. Ch- uh, players Cup was basically the only actual sponsored event that we've had for this series. I'm really excited to see like how players take what they learned from this big run during players cup and all that data and what they actually do for the top 16. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Cause you know, everyone locked in their teams at the start of the month. So t- technically we haven't really had much meta development since then. Since yeah. We've had one tour. We haven't had any chance to do anything with the information we've gotten. Um, everyone was putting in their teams without really, any data prior to that there was an online invitational but besides that it was kind of a raw metagame after the dlc there's a lot of players in here maybe not a lot but uh i I'm, I'm looking specifically at yuri yuri's the type of player to you know take a team that he's been running 
and just modify it for uh, the upcoming tournament. Or, you know, maybe not modify it. Maybe it's already perfect uh, for him, at least. And uh, his team was, of course, from the series prior, that kind of like 14.5, yeah. or not 14, uh, 14.5, that's a different metagame, uh, series 4.5, or whatever you were calling it, where he had those uh, hidden ability starters that, of course, he won that uh, Invitational yeah. with. So he's at least a little familiar with that, but, you know, like, Rillaboom has Grassy Glide now, and all the stuff that came out of this tournament, um, uh, like, there's, like, a lot of... Uh, Stuff to see. There were some really cool uh, teams. I don't have all the teams kind of pulled up here, uh, but a lot of these players have posted what they ran in the tournament. Like, pretty much all of these... Uh, I know, like, all of Europe posted their teams on Twitter. Uh, I was a big fan of pretty much all the teams that they showed from there. David Kutash yeah. running a really cool Sun team. Uh, Duck Pond running a really... With his had a weakness policy in Cinerar, right? On his version? Yes! That, that was, like, so cool. I, I, I was just, yeah. like... I know me and Burns were both just, like, regretting bringing that stupid comfy team instead of the no. same team that we were thinking about. No, for you weren't so even long. running... The, hold on. So, for context, uh, a standard way of running Sun involved uh, Venusaur, Togekiss, Dusclops, uh, and Tyranitar. Tyr Tyranitar and... Charizard? Charizard. Something along those lines. And instead of running the weakness policy Tyranitar with Bulldoze, Dusclops... Uh, David Kotesh ran a weakness policy in Cineroar, uh with Bulldoze Dusclops and Incineroar having close combat, Flare Blitz, uh, a dark move, and Thunder Punch. So he decided that he didn't need Fake Out, he didn't need U-Turn uh, or anything like that. It was just Sweeper and Cineroar, and that's what he committed to. And it's really cool for that to have worked out, because I would have, whenever I've tried an Incineroar like that, I still had room for Fake Out. And just thinking that you don't need it is kind of crazy to me. Yeah, it's especially interesting that he did that in a t in a tournament where they had open team sheets, and so his opponents knew he had that. It wasn't like he was surprising opponents with that Incineroar set. They saw the Incineroar, they had time to prepare for it, and every single person still lost to that Incineroar when he brought it. If you see an Incineroar on your opponent's team, uh, there are times where you will respect the fake out just because it's your best play. You know, like if you have if you have a re no reason to not just click protect with both of your Pokemon to prevent them from faking you out. Uh, you can just do that. But in an open team uh, sheet tournament, yeah, you can just see, they're like, I have nothing to fear here. Or maybe you do have something to fear because the Incineroar just Dynamaxed and is going for Max Flare at plus two. And it does make me wonder, like, I get that he is using the Max Flare and the Sun and that he has that pressure, but um, I wonder how much he gets value out of, like, it being Incineroar versus how much he gets value, like, out of what you would traditionally get value from an Incineroar, like the Intimidate and the ability to, like, reduce damage versus just, like, this has four good moves and it's kind of strong. Let's use this Pokemon. That's kind of interesting. Uh, so we saw, like, a uh, a standard team from uh, Joseph Ugarte, something that, uh, like, I, I think other players in the tournament might have been running, but uh, I'm just going to talk about Joe's uh, run here. He had the uh, Dragapult, uh, Incineroar, Amoongus, Excadrill, Togekiss, Tyranitar. Yeah. Is that six Pokemon? I just rattled them all off the top of my dome. Yeah. So Conan had the same six. And yeah, Conan had the same six. And it, it's a pretty, like, I don't know. It was something that I was definitely just, like, dismissing looking at it. Because I think people had, were doing well with it on ladder, kind of like the Sun Team. And uh, I just was not too worried about it. I didn't expect uh, anybody except maybe, like, an, a player like Edu to make it too far with a team like that. Because that's, like, something up his uh, up his alley. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, still actually a really strong pick for the tournament. And uh, Santino's team was also really cool. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Joe's first, though. Yeah, I do want to, like, 
what I do like about that combination of six Pokemon and something that I do respect for this tournament is that those are Pokemon that just let you play games. There will not be a matchup where you can't do anything, where you can't like where you can't play, where you can't maneuver, where you can't try to set up your board state. So going into a tournament where there wasn't that much information uh, and you don't really like have that much data to decide like this might be good or respond to the meta in this way. I do respect bringing six solid Pokemon that round each other out pretty well and just saying, I'm going to play well. And it clearly worked for uh, at least Joseph. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we saw Togekiss, Excadrill, Dragapult. Uh, since day one of the format. <laughs> right, and ever since Incineroar came out, it's been a staple on that team, and that's probably been the best core in the metagame. And even if there's been other stuff that's still really strong in the metagame that's been introduced, like the those two things that have been introduced are really Rillaboom and Cinderace are the two biggest things, and both of those things don't actually match up that favorably into those four Pokemon. So it's definitely still one of the biggest threats in the format, yeah. I think. I'm just annoyed to see Amoongus well. Do Amoongus doing well, man. I've just been dismissing and hating that Pokemon since day one. Like, I still don't think it's that good. Obviously, like, it was strong enough to bring, uh, I think, actually, I don't know what uh, Jasok Lee had uh, from North America, but I think the at least three of the four Americans had Amoongus. I mean, it just provides a lot of security as a Pokemon. And we'll talk about it when we discuss our team, but like we also had to, at the very least, respect it heavily in the team builder. And if you're not, and there were games, there are definitely games like it can just shrug off your damage river generator, it can force you out with spore, and now it has pollen puff, so it now keeps your their other Pokemon help. Like it's just so annoying, is all it is. Yeah, I honestly think Amoongus had uh, more going against it in like Generation 7 when like Tabu Coco and Tabu Fini were still running around and like even even though Amoongus's typing does match up well into those Pokemon, um, it's still really annoying to be disrupted by like terrains when you're trying to spore and it lets you know their partners kinda ignore the Amoongus um if it can. But now nowadays we don't really have the best electric and misty terrain setters. So Amoongus can in theory like go for spore more often and not you really do, and like you know, if you put a Dynamax Pokemon to sleep, that's really that's yeah. that that works out for you really well. Like sleep is like probably got buffed this gen just because it's so strong against Dynamax. Um, but yeah, I think like Amoongus is still really good, and like Incineroar Amoongus have been dominant Pokemon that cover each other's weaknesses really well. So uh, yeah, I'm not surprised to see them on the what I what I think people should consider to be the top team. Yeah, uh, I, I do want to correct myself really quick here. Santino did not have an Amoongus. I thought maybe he did, but uh, let, why don't we talk about his team really quick? Because um, Santino rocked up with uh, Colossal, something that I think a lot of people were, you know, dismissing. I thought just, I would. I remember I was thinking Cole was really, really good going into the tournament. It was getting. And dis- I told you no. You you told me I was a I was a fool for thinking that. Yeah, we had a long discussion in team building about how much we had to actually respect Colossal and whether we needed to tech. In our team, our Gudra for the Colossal matchup or whether we should just focus on other matchups. And I'm really glad that we focused on the Colossal matchup. Because uh, it was a I'll real Pokemon. It, yeah. It, it, and it clearly was. Santi's team was really cool, too. He, he used um, one of the newest Pokemon going into the Series 5, Urshifu, which has a really cool synergy with Colossal. One of the Urshifus has Aqua Jet, 
and its ability lets it attack through protect. So it could even boost his own Colossal as Colossal protects and then sets up for the next turn, which is really, it does a lot of damage, but it's a really interesting synergy. Yeah, you can choose not to max then, uh, or, you know, really flexible game plan from there. Colossal also got the new option in Meteor Beam. It makes its uh, max Rockfall much more, or I guess max Volcolith, uh, much more threatening. Uh, it's going to do a lot more damage. Of course, when it's uh, post-max, it's going to have to uh, charge to use that uh, rock. Which is fine. At that point, you've already dealt, hopefully, 200% plus, you know, that one-eighth. Uh, one sixth, sixth yeah. one sixth chip damage to all the Pokemon that are not uh not getting knocked out in one hit. Uh, Dragapult, of course, being the other Pokemon for setting this up with that Surf that we've uh, been seeing a lot of. Uh, support Dragapult is uh really cool. It's also just uh, yeah. it's kind of you know taking on that role that we saw Tapu Koko take on in like previous years, where it's just like I can also be a supporter just because of my insane speed. Yeah, it was Breaking Swipe, Surf, Phantom Force, Light Screen, I think, and yeah. it's just. Really, really useful. Breaking Swipe even hitting opposing Dragapult next to Redirection, which is always really fun. So um, we could probably talk about uh, all the different teams here, and uh, I'll probably push that on to uh, Steven and I in future weeks when we're able to collect all of them, uh, because if we ended up talking about all 15 teams or so, we could probably be here all day. There's probably lots of cool teams. I know Latin America had some really cool ones. Like I think a Drapion made it through. Um, which I don't I want to talk about that. I'm sorry. I, st- <laughs> I am still I cho- amazed. I, I choose to ignore. I, 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 I just don't want to have that conversation. I don't want to believe it either. Um, so it sounds we- like you're sleeping on Latin. <laughs> so why don't we why don't we talk a little bit about uh, just the tournament as a whole? Uh, all four of us, uh, of course, were participants. We all used the same team, and we're going to get into the team uh, in a little bit here. I just want to first talk about our experiences in the tournament. Um, like, I, I've already talked about this uh, with my own run, but I want to hear from you guys just like what you thought of Players Cup. Uh, you know, playing online, this is Pokemon or TPCI's uh, filler circuit to hold us over during these, uh, you know, stay at home times. So, uh, what did you guys think? I thought it was a really well run tournament. It They definitely made a couple mistakes, but overall, like every round, every week went really smoothly. I didn't hear any complaints about cheating or changing team sheets or or any any real sort of like uh yeah like anything like that it like and it was it was a really good time i the couple things that i wish they had done a little differently i wish they had not given buys randomly even though i benefited from that uh if they had given the no shows to the top players i think that makes a little more sense and i think that i agree hidden the team sheets uh so the other thing was that you had a week to prepare for your uh, opponents in between weeks and that might have that really changed the dynamic between week one and every other week and so that's something that i would have liked to have seen uh, go a little differently well they did hide the team sheets midweek but because i think they recognized that that was a bit of an issue but that was too late by then it was way too late by then yeah it was functionally unaffected like it no didn't do- no i'm gonna have to disagree with you guys here and say that i do like that they give you the uh week to prepare for it because again it just keeps everybody on equal level you know, if if they did make it so that you didn't see the uh, opponent's team sheet for the person you're going to be fighting in the first round of the next week, uh, you could you would just have to go through other means to find it, and people would. Yeah. You know people would. Like, all of us here, I believe, would do that. And uh, it's just going to, you know, benefit players like us who have more of a social network uh, than players who are a bit newer to the game and don't have as many friends or are not able to, you know, get that team. And then you might end up with some really one-sided matches because of it. 
No, I no, I, I do agree with the perspective, right? Like, I don't, I don't disagree that. Uh, I, I was saying to, I was responding to Adi that like they did cover up the teams in the middle, but like I, and I agree with that a hundred percent. And I would go farther to say what I would have preferred would be everyone's team being publicly available from the get go. That would have been uh, interesting, and I, my, I think I would have preferred that. Why don't we just talk about that as a whole here? I think we talked about it uh, a bit in my run in the last week, but I wanted to just kind of open the floor to talk about uh, open team sheets. That was something that was completely new to this tournament. I, I guess they've done it in like in Japan, Nats and stuff like that. But you know, for us here, uh, this was brand new. They, of course, I'll just run through it again. But they posted our full team lists, uh, or like they made us submit them online without the uh, stats. Or we submitted a full sheet and then it generated one without stats. That's what it was. Yeah, we submitted a full sheet and then it would send to your opponent a link, uh, essentially, that they could click and it would be able to see the uh, Pokemons for moves, their held item, their ability, uh, their, uh, of course, the Pokemon that it is, its gender, its dino, you know, Gigantamax. Gigantamax or not, yeah. It's nickname even, if you wanted. I guess that might be helpful if the nicknames were turned on in the tournament. I can't remember if they were or not. Um, and so, yeah, that was like, that was really, uh, different that we had the teams just like available from the start. Um, and personally, I did like it, uh, for this type of tournament. I, I don't know. I am, I am still generally leaning towards the, uh, I'd rather teams be hidden. Uh, I think that it's kind of a fun aspect of a tournament to, uh, you know, garner the information as you play and to, to just cover those things, as well as to, like, you know, have a, a fun little tech move, like, a, I guess, in past generations, like a hidden power that, you know, might be able to help your team out, uh, especially if your opponent doesn't know about it. Uh, but I also have had several tournaments where I've brought a terribly standard team that I would not care if my opponent knew every single one of my moves. So, I don't know. I, I could see it. I could see myself being fine with whatever way they went forward with this. Um I don't think this is like going to set any kind of standard, but I. It's just a different tournament, right? Yes, it is. Like, like the one when we're even when we're, we'll talk about team building, but even going into the tournament, when you're building for a tour with open team sheets versus like closed team sheets, you're going to be making different decisions. You're going to be incorporating different techs or building in with different like lines of thinking in mind when building your team. Like when we go into tours, you might play a regional or something with its closed, and folks are going well. I'm going to build my team in a way where I reveal some things game one and I still have tricks up my sleeve game two. And then I play using that lack of information to my advantage. And it's a complete, I thought it was a completely different game of Pokemon that we were playing when we had open team sheets from the get go. Uh, when you had the ability to like make calcs in advance or when you had the ability to calc while playing or when you had the ability to have knowledge of what had protect or what didn't or what had what attack or in a Dynamax format, where Cinderace exists and gets to change up all its moves all the time, and they're all good, knowing what it had changed the entire game, or where the weakness policy was. Like, it didn't even feel like the same format. or the It wasn't the same format, but it didn't feel like the same tier. Yeah. Like a completely different game with a completely different set of strategies around it, and I thought that was really enjoyable, personally. I, I do ha- kind of have, like, my own thoughts on, you know hiding or open team sheets versus hidden team sheets and you know i think first off for this kind of online tournament um where you could very easily you know change your sets mid mid 
best of three or between rounds. I think you absolutely have to have open team sheets for something like this. Um, however, for like, I, I think the other thing, um, well, that's a fair point for, yeah. Yeah. But for other, for like, for like real tournaments where you can lock the battle box and you're playing, you know, uh, the next round almost immediately after you finish the first one, I do, I do like hiding team sheets because I think it does, um, uh, provide, um, positives to, uh, you know, how Pokemon is played. Um, like, I think, like, you know, people compare Pokemon to a lot of games, but I, I think something that, you know, hiding team sheets does it is it lets, lets you, um, be rewarded for, uh, you know, playing, playing in such a way, you know, like, all right, my opponent has this Pokemon. It's most, it's most likely that'll have this move and this move and this move. And then, you know, is the, the, the like moves as you go down the list, you the probability of having like a certain move decreases because it's not as good. But you know, I, I think you know you can play you can play optimally. Um, yeah. If you have a, like open team sheets, but you know it's a lot harder to do that if you don't know what they're doing. And I, I think you know part of being good at Pokemon is being able to play optimally. Um, based on the odds of your opponent having such a move, like certain moves, and even, you know, recognizing other aspects of their team that, you know, a certain move might benefit more from. And, like, you get rewarded for um, respecting that move more if it turns out they do have it. Um, just things like that. I, I do think when, when you get to top cut of a tournament um, and you have to, like, you know, you have all night to prepare if you have info on your opponent, I, I think team lists should be published by then. At, at all tournaments, um, just because I, I think you know the information advantage sometimes gets too big for people with you know bigger social circles. Um, yeah, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I, I think it would be better if. Uh, I think that's a funny take, Burns, just because it, it makes me think of like the uh, opposite of back when we had best of one Swiss and how some people would build teams that were very intended for best of one, and then they'd make it to top cut. Uh, their team would just kind of fall apart. And this is almost like if we had some kind of uh, circuit like that that you had just described, it would be quite the opposite where we have like the best of three where information is hidden and uh, then at the end everything is shown. I guess it's not quite the opposite, but you know what? You get what yeah. I'm trying to say is like it's you're playing a different uh, yeah. structure or circuit, not like not entirely different format, but you know, it's it's different between the the Swiss rounds versus the top cut rounds. The open to, yeah, uh, I, I think a good comparison, um, like, like in poker, um, when you're playing, you, you you all you see is your hand, right? And you're you're playing not only based off of how good your hand is, but you know the probability that someone has a better hand than you, and you know depending on you know those factors and what's what you see on the table. Um, yeah, and the information you learn. Yeah, you're gonna play differently, and I think, you know, obviously poker would probably be a lot worse of a game if everyone's cards were flipped up all the time um <laughs> so like i don't i don't want to make a direct comparison because obviously there is still like something to gain from having public team sheets but i i think i do think pokemon is overall a better game um when you have you know hidden team sheets at least for at least for the beginning of a tournament what I want to want I want to go back to one of your beginning points, which was just like by necessity for a tournament of this nature, uh, open team sheets like have to happen, and that's a really strong point. Like even if we're just like talking about what we preferred, what we didn't, 
the reality is we're not going to have in-person live events for a while, especially in the sanctioned way. We definitely should not be having live events for a while. And if Pokemon is playing this experiment to see if a tournament like this works, if they can have more events like this, um, then I would think this was a, a successful experiment. And then that an open team sheet is the only way that can happen because, like, as you were saying, like, it's so easy to change a move in between and your opponent wouldn't even know what to be suspicious of at that point uh, or what to report to a judge. But if you have the sheets in front of you, then I think they're a necessary, even if you don't like him, it's a necessary evil for us to be able even to play this game. Like, if my opponent's Cinderace changed to, like, from high, if it, if it dropped, like, Iron Head for Giga Impact or something, I would have had no idea to be even mad about that if I didn't have the open team sheet in front of me. See, that's the, that I think could be fixed if we had, uh, you know, certain restrictions set in place. Like, if we were able to lock boxes. Yes, like, lock but we can't, yeah. is what I mean. Like, there's no way to for it when you're at your own house. Of course. Yeah. Right now, if the if the boxes aren't able to be locked, then yeah, we probably do need the open team sheets. Otherwise, we do run the risk of running into five-move Volcarona or whatever, ha- what have you. Um, like, you can already, even without spreads, you can, if you wanted to be nefarious about it, you could, like, change spreads up between rounds. But I, I think that's something that they just wouldn't be able to... I, I think the compromise of not giving us EV spreads is uh, a good one, nonetheless. For what is worth, I've played in a lot of online tournaments since we've uh, started our lockdown, and I don't think there's been a single instance of someone actually changing their team to gain an no, advantage in that way. Oh, there, no, there was someone who got disqualified in top cut. Um, actually, I think Rajan played him in Swiss at that in, at that tournament. And are you serious? There was Tower Yeah, it was. It was one of the guys he lost to. Um, okay. <laughs> and his his team his his Togekiss set was completely different in top cut, and he had a judge called on him. <laughs> That's DQ'd. really rude. Okay, so maybe you're right. Maybe you do need it. I just, I didn't think that, uh, as far as like low stakes tournaments goes, I didn't think that this would be something that people would do. Obviously, the players' cup is a little more high stakes, but also like the prizing isn't actually that great. It's not insane, but like it's still the best we've got, and it's also oh, it like, is it is the best we got. It's the best we've got. It's the only one of a title attached to it. That 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 is true. Like people attach a lot of value to something like regional champ. Well, some of us do, Justin, but like. People attach value to something like regional champion. Wait, wait, wait. What is the title? Champion. Uh, I don't know. Players Cup champion? I'm not sure. But, like, this sort of thing does have value to it. And, like, when it has Pokemon's name behind it, it invites a lot more reason to... Prestige. Yeah. There's more prestige. There's a reason that folk, like... folk. And the other thing, Adi, is that in those smaller tournaments, we didn't have a week between rounds. Like, if we have... At the end of day one, you know your next opponent's team or, like, who you might be playing in re- the next round after that or in losers. You have time to make Pokemon in advance, to like, to breed a particular spread or something to swap in if you wanted to. Well, you could still do that in this tournament. And if anything, the week in between makes it easier to catch because, like, let's be real. Everyone in this tournament who, like, most people in this tournament who did well scouted a lot. And they, they tried to find out about their future opponent's teams. And so they knew at least a lot of the moves that were potentially there. Granted, that became a lot easier because of open team sheets. But the fact that, like, if if my if I got information from one of my opponents, previous opponents, saying they had these four moves on their token kiss, and then they use a different move on their token kiss without open team sheets, 
I could definitely call him out on that. And that only really happens because we have a week in between. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, move us on here to talking about, of course, the comfy team that uh, that we all ended up running in the tournament, just because uh, I'm, I'm sure we have a lot to say about that. And I want to make sure that we fit all, all that we want to say before uh, we wrap up here. I mean, we're only about halfway through, but let's go ahead and talk a bit about that. So um, this... Uh, I, I talked a bit about my run with it uh, in the last episode, and I talked about how it was predominantly me that came up with the idea for the team. Get out of here. Uh, me, me <laughs> and, and then, like, Adi. Me and Adi are the ones that are known for using this. Because, um, of course, Adi used it in the Rose Tower Invitational. <laughs> Why to, am I even here? To achieve top cut. <laughs> So um, I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll go ahead and kick us off though with the the start of the story. Um, I think I already told I this you part to, of the story. Can you? I need you to go home. I am already home. That's where we're all at, Raj, and we have to stay at home. So uh, uh, I think I told this part of the story in the podcast already. But yeah, the start of the story is that I, of course, watch a lot of games on Showdown. I am uh, very much addicted to spectating, and so I was just Don't watching say some it games. Like that. And I uh, saw a Comfy go ahead and use Giga Drain on the Lapras that it was next to. Um, and it was really interesting. Cause, uh, I just thought it was like funny. I was like, man, Comfy is using like Giga Drain on Lapras to activate weakness policy. People will do anything to activate their weakness policy. Uh, th- that's what this metagame is about. And then Rajan was like, wait a minute. No, that like that's triage. And I was like, oh. Oh, I didn't even like think about it that way because like I think it was just some kind of crazy turn or something where like there was a lot of KOs happening. But I was just really thinking it was funny to see a comfy in play. Um, and of course, the first thing it's doing is just activating a weakness policy, which is what twenty twenty is about. But uh, th- then Rajan really was like, "No, no, 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 no. We are running with this." <laughs> That's a, it was a thing, right? Like so. I, I now. Like when 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 we saw that when I saw that ladder game, it was like a VGC seminal moment for me. It was like, wait a second, this is something right now. This is happening right now because one of the things that like when you're running something silly with weakness policy, which is in fact all of the format, like one of the most reliable setups was when you could activate your weakness policy with spread move because it couldn't get redirected, like surf dragapult into your colossal or bulldoze and trick room for your ground weak or something like that. But Comfy did it anyway, because of triage giving it plus three priority for its healing moves, which included some attacks that had the subcomponent of healing you. Which really changed the ball game. Like, uh, there's, there's uh, been Quick Attack Sylveon and stuff like that, and you know, Ice Shard just randomly. Like, all kinds of, like, small ways to proc your weakness policy at priority but those of course are all plus one priority and they are affected by rage powder and follow me however comfy moves before uh, or get fake outed yes it moves it's at plus three priority so it moves before those um before those redirection moves and then it also of course moves before fake out because fake out is a plus three priority move and comfy is faster than most of the fake out users in the format there are things like salazzle and i guess mian Shao. But, you know, the reality is that most things that right are taking out are Rillaboom and a Incineroar. Incineroar yeah. And those Pokemon um, are slower than Comfy uh, for the most part. Uh, because Comfy has a very reasonable speed. And so Comfy can just kind of say, alright, I'm going to click one of my healing moves and you do not get to stop me. You don't get to redirect it. You don't get to fake me out. And uh, it's a really 
just multi-purpose in so many cool ways that uh that we found and i think comfy just allowed for a type of play style that just feels pretty dead right now yeah like what when when alex saw the lapras comfy team and then the comfy proc to the lapras's weakness policy of giga drain we most of us also like to qualify for the players cup used lapras uh adi excluded right adi yeah adi excluded but me adi just was too good for lapras then he still thinks he's too good adi was lapras. a hater man such a hater and we loved the team like justin burns built that team lapras felt really strong but going into this format with cinderace and rillaboom and the increased power like of everything it felt like we couldn't play defensively and then comfy opened up the floodgates for the possibility of playing defensively because not only can it do the silly weakness policy thing at a priority that follow me can't stop, but it also has a healing move where it before fake out, before follow me gets to heal pulse your Pokemon too. And not even just for 50%, but in grassy terrain for 66%. So like, as soon as we saw that replay, I was like, wait a second, there's something here. We get to do something here. And then we took weakness policy off the Lapras because that's a bad item. But it's, it's also because Comfy has so much potential, at least between <laughs> Grass and Fairy coverage and Draining Kiss and uh, Giga Drain. There's a lot of weakness policy Pokemon it can proc. Um, we tried Dragapult. Um, the, I, I think we tossed around the idea of T-Tar. I don't know if we ever tried it. Um, we didn't. Um, I know that there was a um, a bin or like a, what are they called? A rental code that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. You can call it a paste bin. It doesn't matter. No, but there, no, there was a rental code that Aaron Zhang was using from someone on his Discord or a fan of his or something put together. And when there was like a week where everyone was using comfy teams on YouTube, and I know his team had weakness policy Tyranitar. I think for what it's worth, we did try weakness policy Tyranitar because that was around like 2 a.m. before the tournament, and we finished by 4 a.m. and replaced the T Tar with an Incineroar. Different tournament, the Rose Tower tournament. The Rose Tower tournament, yes. So that was the. Uh, so. After, or the original team that we built, which I got top eight in the Rose Tower Clash, 210 players. This was, I think, two weeks before we had to lock in our team for the Players' Cup. And uh, Rajan had brought up this, or I guess Alex had brought up this idea, and Rajan had roped me into it around 11 p.m. the night before the tournament. And we stayed up until 4 a.m. building this team and trying out all these certain variants. That's when we realized that Weakness Policy wasn't the item on Lapras, because the core of Lapras Rillaboom Comfy lets you play really defensively, and you need all eight turns of screens. And so you can't play defensively if you only have five. Uh, and so that's what or we Or at the very least, we wanted to play defensively. What we realized when we played the, um, when we played the, played the qualification, like the, the IC, the qualify, like Lapras with eight turns of screens felt really good. Having enough screens to actually go through at least like most of the game felt really good. And it felt like when we only had five turns of screens, including the turn that you set it up that you just didn't get that much value out of having the comfy, and that we had to play in a way we didn't want to. But the best right. way that I can uh, phrase it is that uh, what I found from watching the comfy team being played, because I uh, I helped from the sidelines, I was not doing a lot of the playtesting, and I, I will admit that I had he admits maybe, it. maybe less of a hand than Rajan in the team. Maybe. <laughs> but uh, what, the thing that I saw that was most useful about comfy was that floral healing. Uh, not only is yeah. it a beautiful animation, but it's... Um, it is it's so pretty. That, <laughs> I don't think there's anything else that can do anything like that. Like, it does have the hee-hee weakness policy element to it, but it's mostly that it heals your mons for 50 to 66%, and what that meant was that you could uh, switch in your Incineroar 
like three times to get the fake out U-turns and stuff like that going. And then also, you know, just bring it back and say, let's do three more. Yeah, it's a little silly. One of the best parts of having a plus three priority healing move was proc and weakness policy. We just wanted it on a mod that was more impactful than Lapras. And that's why we had Dragapult originally. Uh, that yeah. just wasn't nearly good enough in this metagame. And so, of course, what was our been- last on that team? It was Togekiss. Like, our, I think our six were Lapras, Incineroar, Rillaboom, Comfy. Those four stayed. Like, we made some adjustments, but they stayed largely the same from the first draft with weak, with Light Clay, Lapras, Comfy with Draining Kiss and Floral Healing, Miracle Seed, Rillaboom, and Insult Fest, Incineroar. Like, those stayed basically the same. And then we had Dragapult Togekiss uh, for the Rose Tower tournament, which turned into uh, Gudra Magnazone. Yeah, and so I guess moving on a little bit, we had the Gudra because the uh, Lapras was just really, really bad into G-Max Venusaur. The, they just did too much damage to it, and the one-sixth chip every turn just did too much around the screens. And so we needed a really strong answer to Sun, and so we committed our weakness policy on, in this case, Gudra, to just being a hard Sun counter. And it did really well against Sun, I think, all the entire way through the tournament for me. Let's go, Gludra! <laughs> yeah, Gudra felt like a very funny mon to put on the team. Uh, on a team that just already felt very funny. Like, I frequently, when uh, we were, like, building this team, I was just mentioning to Rajan how the team just makes me, like, laugh. It makes me happy, because it was just, like, we were really getting to do what we wanted. Like, I, it was like we were playing our own game. And that was what was really cool about the team. But uh, then we had to add in a Gudra, which really felt like we were bowing to the metagame. Like, okay, son, you get your respect. We're going to run stupid Gudra. Gudra normally feels like a Pokemon that you see run by uh, low ladder players when they think, I need a sun counter. And Gudra's like, I'm going to put an AV on it and it's going to be so bulky. Like, haha, you cannot do damage to me on the special side. Um, hey, man, how- don't disamilio like that. <laughs> <laughs> he did have a Gudra uh, for a good while in 2020, didn't he? Yeah. Did it have weakness policy? Um, I don't know. I think it was AV. It was AV. I still did like that team, though. He had a solid team with Gudra there. But uh, for the most part, Gudra feels like a low ladder team uh, that newer players cling to when they're worried about their Sun matchup. So the thing is, Gudra was our last Pokemon added. Like, we, what we took from the Rose Tower, which Adi did top 8 at, uh, the Rose Tower Clash, we took the Lapras and Cinnaroar Comfy Rillaboom. We're like, we really, really like this. But we were having issues with a lot of, like, common things. And we were struggling on the ladder for a bit. Like, Adi and I were playing on the ladder. We got to, like, 1800s a few times with, like, the main core. And we're like, this is cool, but it's not working anymore. The Mon that really convinced us to keep going with the team was our Mon 5, which was the Magnazone. Because as soon as we slapped on that Magnazone, we were trying to figure out, like, what steel type did like we were weak to a lot of like common physical attacks. We didn't have great like resistances. We needed a steel, but all the steels felt bad. And then we added a grassy seed magnazone as Mon 5, and then Adi and I instantly shot up to the 1950s on PS, like from from like 1650, just like all in one go. And then we're like, this is it. We're running this team. For the champ for the players cup. Like that's how that happened. For the ship. Yeah, uh, Magnazone felt really cool. Uh, it's just, it did something that, like, was old and new. It was just, like, this solid steel-type Pokemon that could take advantage of Analytic to do massive damage. But uh, it was also just a very fun max. It got to use the new tools in Body Press, 
Um, Body Press is really cool in that it uses Magnazone's, uh, you know, max steel boosts, but also you could throw a grassy seed on it. And there were times where Magnazone was taking less than half from ground moves. Like, it was able to hit, uh, like, you know, eat super effective attacks on the physical side, like multiple of them per turn. And then uh, it was also just another Pokemon that really enjoyed floral healing. Um, yeah. It felt like with our Dynamax Pokemon, um, you know, we were always moving second compared to like a lot of the aggressive options. And so our Pokemon would get whittled down, whittled down, whittled down. But, you know, because of Dynamax, they're often not going to get knocked out. Uh, they're going to end up in the red and that's just easy picking for those faster Pokemon. But Comfy just gets to say no. And if we have that grassy terrain up, you can take a Pokemon from, you know, as low as 33 all the way to 100%. It felt like you were using, like, Healing Wish or something, except that Comfy was not leaving the field. Comfy was just, you know, chilling. And to give credit where credit is due, that was the set that I think that Rogov came up with, and he yeah. used it on his team that he got top 12 in the Players' Cup with as well, which was a very different team that used Magnezone with Soak. But Magnezone was honestly just the absolute, I think it was the best part of the team. It just runs through teams. It, it was just absolutely crazy. Now, like, what I, I remember that, like, we, Adi disagreed with me a little bit. Like, I thought the support that we had for the Magnezone made a lot of sense for Magnezones. Like, wait, we're giving it Intimidate, we're giving it the Grassy Sea, we're giving it the Comfy. Adi kind of felt like, and correct me if I'm wrong, that, like, we just kind of slapped on the Magnezone, and Magnezone's just doing things on its own, and then the rest of the ones are like, yeah. Uh, honestly, yeah. Like, a lot of times it did feel like the Magnezone won games on its own, which is a great thing to have in a Pokemon, but most of the time, they would be like, well, we can't kill this Magnezone while it's Dynamaxed. We're going to KO all the Pokemon that are next to it one at a time. And then we're going to see if, like, the last two or three Pokemon in our team can deal with the Magnezone. And again, like, a lot of times they couldn't. But I wasn't convinced that Magnezone was a perfect fit on this team, more so than Magnezone was just a really good meta call overall. But what I do want to disagree with is, like, what I did like on our team for the Magnezone is that, like, we gave it the Intimidate, which helped a lot. We gave it Grassy Seed. We gave it Fake Out. Like, we gave it, and we gave it the healing. Like, we gave it all the tools it needed to one-man army. And, like, an example calc that I really like was when I remember I was doing calcs against my friend Gavin's team who ran uh, Life Orb Diggersby. Uh, when you intimidated the Diggersby, and then, like, you ma and our Magnezone had a Grassy Seed boost, for example, when, it's, when Magnezone was Dynamaxed, it was taking a Max Quake from Life Orb Diggersby. Like, it was able to eat those hits because of the tools that we had. And it just we gave it the option of one-man army and then that felt really cool. And like my favorite part about the team was like we didn't care. Like we didn't have trickery, we didn't have any forms of speed control whatsoever. We had a Pokemon that did its best because we didn't have any speed control whatsoever. And we were taking all the hits from everything. And we just got to play and it was fun. I want to say that you guys keep saying your favorite parts about the team are the strongest part of the team. It, it was comfy. Come on, dude. I loved the comfy. comfy it was a just, sick Pokemon. <laughs> it really just allowed the team to play so differently. I've said this already, but, you know, I just think that comfy has so many tools um, and a lot of options. Like we uh, we didn't end up running Trick Room on it, but it has the ability to run that. Uh, something that else is like cool is uh, that that uh, Priority Draining Kiss hits a decent number of things. Like, yeah. Cinderace often ends up being a fighting-type post-Dynamax because of how often it likes to max Knuckle to, to you know, to keep up with the Intimidates and to keep itself boosted, so it's just doing lots of damage and, of course, supporting its partners. Um, and then you can just Draining Kiss it off the field, and it's before it gets to even move. And in fact, the Cinderace can't even sucker punch on that. It can't even think about it. 
they can't follow me it like it just dies then there's uh urshifu um at least you know the dark type urshifu <laughs> the dark type urshifu is quadruple weak to draining kiss and i'm pretty sure that we made sure that we, we knock would, it out we oko it yeah, yep we, we eat it to oko it yeah so you just one shot a uh urshifu um most of them of course are not dynamaxing and so you can just take that out before it moves uh dragapult is another pokemon that um you know after it's maxed maybe it's taken a bit of chip uh, you can it gets two shots. take it out with a draining kiss and like it's just at priority uh you know and it's really what comfy did was it just got to do its own thing and I, people throw that term around a lot in pokemon but it's just mainly because it got to ignore all the things that your opponent uses to take away your options you know the fake yeah. outs the redirections comfy just says i don't care like i'm yeah. gonna click heal pulse for 66 percent. i'm gonna ko your one hp cinderace next to an amoongus or whatever and you don't get to do anything about it. And that was just this, that was the theme of the team. Like we had Grassy Glide, Rillaboom to use priority with Fake Out. We had Fake Out Incineroar. We had the Comfy. We had Magnezone, which was just like I want an analytic boost, so I hope I go last. Like that was just kind of what we did all for every month. It was really fun. We also had just a solid cast of Pokemon. Um, like for certain matchups, it was uh, better to max Incineroar, uh, and like we did that a couple of times against Awkward Sun teams. Uh, and of course, you know how G-Max Rillaboom works with uh, you know taking the any type of grass move all the way to that max BP of 160, so uh, you know, we had a solid option in maxing our Rillaboom if we ever had to. If, you know, say Lapras or Magnezone or Gudra, the premier max Pokemon on the team, if they went down early, we weren't necessarily out of it because we had some uh, decent options there. I don't think anybody ever maxed their comfy. I did on a ladder game once, and I lost. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I guess we could talk a bit about uh, our overall finishes. I think I already mentioned this on the show, but I made it to the second week before getting knocked out. I think we all made it to we the all did. second week. So all of us made it to the second week. Um, Adi was the only one uh, who made it to the third week with the team. and. Uh, Made it all the way to uh, six and zero. Oh? The very no. last game, I, I, I was six and zero. I was four and zero. Oh, or so I got a buy round one. So I actually went four and zero oh in winners bracket to get to top sixteen winners, and then lost a game to drop the losers one two in a row to get to my winning in, and then lost and finished top six. Top six, baby. But you actually get to say that because of the structure of the tournament with the way that uh, double elimination works. I think yeah. I ended up finishing a weird one, like top twenty-four or something. Um, I don't remember. I think Justin was thirty-two, and I was like yeah. eight. So I made the team, and I finished the worst of it. That's typical. That's not <laughs> too surprising. Yeah, I guess the team did have some bad matchups. It had some awkward things to play against, and uh, sometimes you run into those, and sometimes you don't. I guess we should talk about the shortcomings too, right? Like. We keep saying that, like, we got to do our own thing, but, like, there were some flaws. Like, the first thing is, like, besides our priority attacks, we were basically going second at all times. So when an opponent was Dynamaxing their Cinderace or their Venusaur or their Togekiss or whatever, their Porygon-Z, they kind of just got to have their way and just attack us with all their max moves. We kind of had to deal with it. And sometimes that works, but sometimes if they're compounding things that we have issues with, like, we can have a hard time with Charizard and Sun, we can have a hard time with Venusaur, we can have a hard time with Porygon-Z, we can deal with all of them individually, but if they combine some of those things, or like, special fire moves when you need your Magnezone to do something, like, we felt stretched thin at points, so it was kind of hard to respond to all of the offense in the format, but we sure tried. 
And then the other thing that I felt that was a little bit of weakness was, like you mentioned, like Magnusone is really good against teams that are very physically oriented and they just can't damage the Magnusone after a couple of spikes. Gudra is really good against teams that are very specially oriented and can't damage the Gudra because it just has a insane special defense stat. And then Lapras is kind of like all around strong because it just boosts your defenses. And if they're not boosting a stat, it's going to be really hard for them to power through it. But uh, my second loss, my loss in my winning in was against the Ted team that Conan used. And Ted, I thought, was a really bad matchup for Lapras back in Series 4. It was what I used for all of Series 4, and I don't think I lost a single set against Lapras. Um, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Granted, I had Still a Rotom on the team, but the main problem with Lapras was that you need to match Dynamaxes, and you need to like be able to take their hits. And so if they can delay their Dynamax and position defensively around your like relatively weak Dynamax attacks, then they can often win in the end game with their Dynamax. And Ted was one of the few teams that had the defensive ability to switch around take all of the hits that Lapras was throwing out while Dynamax, and, but also had the uh, offensive yeah. versatility to not lose to Gudra and not lose to Magnezone. Yeah. Like, so defense with better offense like, than ours, like defensive teams with better offensive options, and then just like offensive teams that compo- they compounded really strong hits of multiple spectrums were the things that were kind of hard. Like, Bur- Justin characterized the team really well uh, with in like a Goldilocks kind of way, um, with like Lapras being just right, and then Gudra for special, and then Magnum for physical. But when they like got between the cracks of it, was when it was really hard. Man, I made that comparison as a joke. I didn't expect it to actually get brought up when analyzing the team. I found it so funny. It was my favorite thing. I want you said it way better than I did, but like I really, really enjoyed the comparison. It's like yeah. Kind of- I narrated it like the actual book. <laughs> <laughs> and you really stole that thunder from him. So yeah, he wasn't uh, going to say it. No, there's no, no of chance. Of course I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> so, yeah, we, uh, unfortunately, I, I honestly was very sad that uh, none of us got to take it all the way because uh, we put a lot into the team, um, especially me and Burns, I would say. Um, Get out of here. <laughs> like, I don't know. The team just, it felt like something that, uh, like we were preparing almost like for a live event. Obviously, Rajan had mentioned that it was, uh, different, you know, because of the open team sheet and stuff like that. And we got to do different stuff because of that. But I still, uh, it just, it felt like we had put a lot of, uh, yeah. effort into this team to make sure that it was prepared for almost anything. It, it felt like we were preparing for worlds almost, or like, you know, something as large as Nats. It was, uh, the team was not meant to just be some kind of joke that was like, haha, we're using Comfy. Let's just have fun with it. Like, it, the Comfy was good. And, like, that was the reason that uh, this team came to be was because Comfy really uh, helped a lot of these Pokemon shine. Yeah, and it was especially heartbreaking uh, just because, again, there were a week between each round. And so I basically had two weeks where I spent most of my free time prepping for all the matchups that I could face. And so just like putting a lot of time in, even after we'd built the team, we had locked it in, we had played the games, and we just had to play more games and like prepare for very, very specific matchups. And so to to get all that way and to come so close and then actually face a matchup that because I got dropped to losers and had, you know, played two games in losers before got getting to that win and in, I hadn't prepared at all for that specific matchup and didn't really have any prep to go back on. Um, and so it really sucked to have to go out 
playing something that I hadn't prepped against when we put so much work into preparing this team. Man, we really convinced Adi to change sides to Lapras, and then he got knocked out by his old team. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. There wasn't a Clefairy. Yeah, that's true. There was no Clef. Or a Rotom. It was not quite the same. But uh, I uh, I still have no regrets using None. the team. Um, Lapras was awesome. I, uh, I I very much enjoyed Lapras just in general. I, I've always been a fan of it since uh, 2020, just because uh, they gave um, they gave one of the you know premier parish Pokemon uh, a solid Dynamax or I guess Gigantamax form, uh, and it felt like a very like decent enough Pokemon uh, in the format. Like I, I think Parish is incredibly strong. Uh, that was something that we had on the team and. I guess we hadn't really talked about it until this. Oh, point, yeah, we didn't but, mention know, it. Parish is just kind of a cool thing to have on a team that uh, you know keeps its Pokemon alive. You know, if you're able to you know take one or two knockouts, like especially if you can take two uh, knockouts, then you don't really need that you know that haha Parish trap strategy. You know that the trap is that they have no Pokemon in the back to switch to; they are KO'd. So you can click Parish Song then, and that was something that uh, bulky teams could kind of do well. Is uh, you know keep their Pokemon around long enough so that way you could win on Parish. And that was, like, the, one of the main things... That, honestly, like, we were saying it towards the end, but that was one of the main things that the team was built around doing. Like, with the Lapras and Sin, Rillaboom, Comfy, like, the thing that in- Rillaboom and Comfy got to do with Grassy Glide and Draining Kiss, respectively, is that, like, its damage was pretty guaranteed. It, it, it circumvented Tailwind, it, circum- or it circumvented most forms of speed control, and in Comfy's uh, case, it circumvented, like, Redirection. And we actually really relied on the damage and the pressure that was generated from that guaranteed damage to take those knockouts to end with Parrish. Like, that was the point. And that's why we felt like we didn't need Tailwind or Trick Room or whatever, because, like, that wasn't the kind of offense we were putting out. The offense we were putting out was consistency. And that really has its own set of pressure that we haven't really gotten to explore in um, other kinds of teams when playing BGC 2020. At least that's my thoughts surrounding it. Like, just when they can't do anything about your option, um, even if the option's not, like, that strong, like, it chips away, and then you can take it from there. Yeah, I uh, I think that... Uh, I really do hope that uh, Comfy doesn't go away. I don't think it will. Like, uh, there are other ways that you could do this uh, kind of team. I think that... Um, I don't know, did we... Is, is a rental code available for the team, Rajan, by anybody? Yeah, Adi put one together. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, if people want to try it, uh, I'd recommend, you know, looking at it, trying out your own comfy team, because uh, there's, like, definitely other stuff you can do. You can do it differently uh, than we did. Um, It's just a really cool support Pokemon. You can also make it do funny, haha, weakness policy stuff. But, um, yeah, and other other than that, any uh, other closing thoughts on the team from you guys? Can we talk about the ribbons we put on our Pokemon? Yes, we can talk about the ribbons that we put on our Pokemon, Justin. But yeah, thanks to Elisa uh, for uh, helping us get all of these uh, cool ribbons on our Pokemon. Um, there's like, I don't know, go ahead and you talk about it, Just. Um, so the Lapras is from Pokemon XD Gale of Darkness, which is a game that came out in 2005. <laughs> so you have to you have to catch the Lapras from the, uh, I think it's the second to final boss, or maybe the third. One of the, one of the like, admin brothers that like wear red and blue. Um, and you have to purify it, and when you purify it, you get a ribbon um, that, when you transfer it up to Sword and Shield, which is a very long process because you have to put it through so many games, um, you can give it the title Lapras the Triumphant. 
And also, uh, we had Comfy the Great Friend. Comfy is a great the Gorgeous. Gujo the Gorgeous. Um, what else? What do we have? I don't. I don't remember if we had any other. I, I, we had was... a Magmazone one. I just don't remember. Oh, what... uh, Rilla, was, was, a, was, was the was Goar champion. He was a genius. <laughs> no, the historic genius. The historic, historic genius. genius. Oh, mine was Magnazone the one chicken because I could take her legs now. <laughs> <laughs> he is no longer shaken. <laughs> he was once shaken, but not now. But the my favorite one was the Lapras. Well, that's the one that took the most work. Yeah. yeah. I. Uh, I mean, we also did the uh, contest with it, so I I ended up getting my favorite of the uh, ribbons on it, which was um, Lapras, the model for paintings. The model for paintings, yeah. It's just because it's so long, but it's also a really funny one. You can also, it also had Lapras, the the 100 times victorious or something. The 100 times victorious. The one you get for defeating Mount Battle in Pokemon Colosseum or Pokemon XD Gale of Darkness. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, fun little ribbons that uh, we did on the team, and uh, that's now an option because of the, what is it, the battle ready symbol? Yes. Yeah, I think that's the what it's The battle called. ready symbol. Um, I had talked about this a bit in the past, and I think I actually talked about the ribbons. I mentioned the model for paintings being my favorite one, so I was really happy to use it on one of my favorite Pokemon, Lapras. So ribbons, as- ribbons aside, though, like, read the team itself, like... What I think it taught me was that, like, I think we really did put together one of the best, like, defensive-oriented teams that we could uh, for VGC20. And it kind of just, it makes me a little bit sad, because as much as I appreciated the team and I really enjoyed playing it, and I thought we did, like, the best we could with it, like, I still, in my run, got pretty overwhelmed by, like, Porygon-Z and Venusaur, or... Like, Chandelure and Cinderace. Like, just combinations of really strong things. And I kind of feel like that might just be the pattern moving forward. Uh, where when Dynamax is able to support your offense in such silly ways that, like, you just really can't cover every offensive thing. Um, and there will just be a combination of Pokemon that just completely pops you. And we really did our best to avoid as many of those as we could. And even still, like, there were just some things that were really overwhelming, and that just makes me a little bit sad. If if there is any solace um, in what we lost to, it's that I, I think the problem Adi and I struggled against the, uh, the Cinderace, Clefairy stuff team that Jody and John and Nails were all using, um, like, uh, we it was hard for us to break the Milotic, I think. Like, the Milotic plus Incineroar was the really annoying part for me. Um, and, like, I, I watched Audi's games. I don't know how he feels about those, but I felt like the, the Milotic was kind of the kingpin. We don't yeah. want to talk about like, Audi's games. We, 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 did lose to the, we did lose to, like, a defensive kind of core. Milotic, well, the problem with Milotic was that so much of this team relies on damage reduction, and Pokemon like Milotic and Bisharp and Braviary just stop you from using Intimidate to reduce damage. And Bisharp and Braviary were less problematic because we could just kind of hit them really hard with Lapras. But Milotic, you can't. You can't yeah, use the exactly. for Lapras to survive. So Milotic specifically was a problem. And also, like, it takes attacks pretty well from Magnezone just because it has a naturally high special defense stat. And you want to be clicking Flash Cannon or, other, or Max Steel Spike or else you're not going to be getting the defense boost you need to live physical attacks. It was definitely a problem. It also definitely felt winnable. Like, you could still yeah. hit it with the... Uh, Rillaboom, and Rillaboom plus Magnezone did a lot against it, and like at the end of the day, I did lose to 
one of my games against John because he just crit a high horsepower when he needed to crit the highest power. Uh, it didn't feel like an unwinnable matchup by any means, even though. Oh, it I, I do. I do think we were favored. It's just that it was. There were parts that were hard. Break that specific part. And just my losses were on the other extreme, which just is a little annoying. I think that uh, Justin, Adi, we're all comfortable admitting that Rajan built a uh, less than uh, quality team. All right, it, it, it had a lot terrible. of flaws. It was horrible, <laughs> awful team. I'm glad that it is not going to be credited to any of our names, but it instead credited to Rajan. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad I've never been credited with that team before. Oh my god. Not once. I but like my thoughts aside though, like I do that I've had a this is one of my favorite teams I've ever built, and I'm really, really happy to have uh made it with you guys. Well I'm pleased to have made it with Adi. Uh I tolerated making it with you, Alex. And Yeah, okay. that's fine. That's fine. I uh again, I uh get the finder speed, so um Let's go ahead and uh, wrap things up here, though. Um, we've uh, kind of been talking a lot uh, just about this this fun, fun team, though. It's uh, so good. So it was really, uh, really, really fun. I definitely recommend people checking it out. Um, uh, I'm sure that Adi, I'm kind of stealing his thunder here, um, but I'm sure Adi was going to plug it at some point. Uh, Adi just put out a team report on the team, a video team report on his new YouTube channel. Uh, I do recommend you go check out that version of it as well. Um, if you want to hear more of it from his perspective, uh, and I don't know what, what else would you say is different about it in uh, that video, Adi? Yeah. So of course we also have a rental code that's in the video and a full paste bin in the video so that you can actually try it out yourself. But I, I do go in depth into my tournament run and all the games that I played. If you're looking to learn a little bit more about the specific game plans and how you might approach specific matchups. Although obviously, uh, I didn't play all of the games you guys played a decent number of games with the team too, and played a variety of matchups that I didn't get to face. The other thing that Adi did in this team report is he actually details the choices and like what the spreads do and stuff. We were talking about a summary of a team that most of you haven't actually fully seen yet, but um, if you want like details on like the, all the move slots, why they're there, what we did, and why we put them instead, like Adi goes into that into great detail in his team report. Yes, it is a very in-depth breakdown. Strongly, It's 40 minutes. It's a 40-minute video. For what it's worth, I think that the <laughs> last 25 minutes of it is just talking about the tournament run. The, team the last 19. Sure. Uh, but yeah, it's CK49 is the YouTube channel. Also, it's on my Twitter at Adi Subra, A-D-I-S-U-B-R-A. Hey, 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 hey. We, we plug the Twitters later, buddy. You've been Sorry. here before. You know how this goes. All right, why don't, I, uh, why don't I go ahead and plug ourselves here? You can email your comments to us, your questions, and any like feedback you have at VGC, or I guess at our email, vgchypervoice at gmail.com. Uh, make sure to tell your friends about this, uh, the podcast. Um, it is one of the best ways to get the word out is just uh, word of mouth. Um, you can also find us on Anchor, Apple, and iTunes. Uh, you can find us on CastBox, Castro. Uh, Google Play, I don't think so anymore. Like It's now Google Podcasts. Um, I don't think you can find us on Google Play anymore. Uh, there's Listen Notes, Overcast, Podbean, Pocket Cast, uh, Spotify, and Stitcher, uh, plus anywhere else that you can find podcasts. We are likely there. Uh, you can find the show on Facebook and Twitter at The Hyper Voice. Uh, and then lastly, you can find all of us on Twitter. You can follow me at LexiconVGC. Uh, Justin Burns, where can they follow you? You can follow me at just Mr. Burns. And Adi, where can they follow you? At Adi Supra. 
And uh, Rajan, where can people follow you? At Blaramons, B-L-A-R-A-M-O-N-S. And that'll uh, that'll do it for us. So thanks for listening to the Hyper Voice. And I guess this is where Steven says, stay tuned for more. And then I say, Alola. Why do you say that? Because uh, I always say it at the end. Oh, okay. You can say it too. No. Nah. We can all hit stop now, right? You can all hit stop now.